Just a few film nerds breaking out of a rut Drooling over cinema that's hard and uncut Stick us in your ear, thrill to this month's picks And come and listen in, we're Measuring Flicks Hello everyone, welcome to Measuring Flicks I'm Max Peterson and I am joined in the studio today by a very special guest One of my favorite people who yells at me for having not seen <laughs> movies <laughs> um, My name is Alex, I watch movies, and I yell at Max She does, uh, and you watched the movie we're going to talk about today while you were deep in the throes of COVID. Fever <laughs> and tissues. Yes. That had to be that had to be like the trippiest. Given the like the weird, almost surreal, kind of pseudo dreamlike quality of the film anyway. What it was a good match. It was a solid match. Only time you saw it, just watched it the once? Just watched it once. Okay. And that was a while ago too. So today we're gonna be playing we're gonna be testing your memory today. Surprisingly <laughs> vivid. It is surprisingly vivid for me. I can totally see it. You can pull the bags whenever you want. Your tea timer has just gone off. It's a new recurring segment I have on the show called Your Tea Is Done. <laughs> Don't burn your mouth. Today we're talking about 2018's burning. Johnson. It's, it's weird. I've actually seen it a couple different places online. It, I think it came out in the States for sure in 2018. It might have come out overseas in 2017. I've seen hmm. both of those dates associated with it. I usually go by the IMDb just so I have a consistent like place that I pull from. Um, directed by Lee Chang Dong, starring Yu A-in as Lee Jong-soo. I'm going to give um, character names. I don't usually, but I'm going to give character names this time just so I don't have to get lost in names in a language that I'm not familiar with. So Yua In, he's our protagonist, Lee Jong-soo. Steven Yoon, star <laughs> as Ben Sai. I, I will be calling him Steven Yoon for <laughs> the duration of our conversation. Uh, and John Jong-seo as uh, Shin Han, uh, Hame. So yeah, because pretty much every time I texted you about, hey, what do you think of Burning? <laughs> Are we still down to watch Burning? 
the only text I ever got back was Steven Yoon melting face or Steven Yoon like heart. Maybe an eggplant in there. I don't know, Alex. I got strong vibes. I can neither confirm nor deny <laughs> the presence of an eggplant emoji with Steven Yoon. Well, it was you were there was COVID was going on, so I, you can't be held responsible. Um, well, give me your give me your first thoughts on this. Listeners, as always, we've assumed that you've watched the movie. It's free a bunch of places. If you've got Peacock, it's on there as well. This is one definitely worth watching, and you don't want to be spoiled if you can help it. We're going to spoil the shit out of it. You've been warned. All right. Talk to me, Alex. What are your thoughts? I mean, this was exactly the kind of movie that I needed to watch during COVID, which was a slow movie that just drew you in. It seemed a little boring at times. And then at the end, it just built and built and built. And all of a sudden, it was over. And I was like, what just happened to me? Should I watch it again? I clearly haven't. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just, the pacing was great. The characters are great. The fact that so much of it is done without a lot of dialogue. There's not a lot of talk in that movie. Um, yeah. A lot of really powerful visuals, a lot of really powerful, like, I don't know. Shot just, framing and cinematography were like two. I have copious notes about this movie, and most of them are about look at how this was framed. Look at how they juxtapose this and this and this. And I watch movies like very visually. Go go figure. <laughs> but like one of the things I fixated on in this was how beautifully shot it is, and how um, a lot of times the director um, Li Cheng Dong was able to get ideas across or get. Uh, character motivations across or action across or ideas across without the use of like any expository dialogue just show me a shot and we kind of talked about it while I was brewing the tea but like there's a weird like undercurrent of energy throughout this movie Mm. like a weird tension it's almost like you can hear like a slow violin string just (laughs) rising in the background the whole time and you don't really know why um there's it's like this ineffable quality of like unease that starts yeah. early on yeah there's a lot of weird tension and you, and you don't know why it's like why am I so uncomfortable right now like there's not they're not arguing <laughs> right. they're not like there's no fighting there's Everyone's no chill. obvious conflict but like it's very uncomfortable a lot of the movie you know, it was bizarrely like one of the most uncomfortable things for me was Steven Yoon's like super disarming smile he like doesn't look it's not a creepy smile it's not like a Ted Bundy smile he's just like Hey, man, how's it going? Real happy looking. And you're like, I don't fucking like that at all. Yeah, he's like very nice and it just feels wrong. There's the performances are so good. Everybody in this is so good. But I maybe because of all your texts, I'm really fixated <laughs> on Stephen Yoon. Sorry, I swayed you. No, not at all. There's a there's a moment when they're in that um like the fancy. It's the first time that we meet Ben's friends and they're all in like the that dinner. Party? Yeah, that first yeah. dinner party when um. Uh, Hame is doing the like little hunger, big hunger dance, and it the energy in that scene is so incredible. But there's a little moment, and we'll come back to it as we go linearly through the film. But there's a moment where like um, Jong Su catches Ben like mm-hmm. yawning, yeah. And dude, Steven Yoon does this little like oh caught me yawning smile, eyes up, and then he kind of settles back, and it, like the facial acting of like those three expressions just like boom, fluidly going over his face. I was just like. It's beautiful. I hate him. I love what I just saw. Yeah. It's everything you need to know about that character right there. And then the reflection from that scene to the end when he yawns as his new girlfriend is like telling her story about mm-hmm. her travels to China, which 
I um, no, I'm not gonna do it. I wanted to be like, was, did he do it? Did he not? But no, let's let's. <laughs> we're make, not going straight. We gotta for it. make ourselves wait just a sec. Um, well, this is this was my struggle, and we won't get into did he do it or not. But thinking yet. about it, oh, we'll get into it <laughs> currently. But thinking about it, as I mentioned, I haven't watched it since I was sick months ago. Mm-hmm. Three few eight, August September. It's been a few months. Sure. Um, and then thinking about it before recording this, um, I feel like my position on him as like a man has changed. I feel like a lot of the masculinity that he is and like the kind of contrast in masculinity be- between those two characters and like the wealthy and the poor and the kind of like, I don't know. I feel like I've, I have thought about him more as a, um, not a caricature and not like an archetype kind of thing. Well, of yeah, like, of like totally what is he that. trying? Like, what is he representing? And I feel like taking that perspective out of the movie makes me think about what he did differently. Do you mean what he's what he's representing at like what the filmmaker wants him to represent and what that character is being portrayed as or do you mean what he's representing to the world behind the weird mask oh, that man. he wears? I, I mean, know there's like this is there's layers. Damn. Inception, characterception. Meta. Very. Um let's um let's go from the top and work our way through and as we rabbit hole because my that's just how my brain works uh we'll do that so just right off the bat this is based on a short story by haruki murakami which is based on a story by william faulkner of the same name the murakami story is from 1980 the faulkner story is from 39 they're called the both stories are called barn burning um i found the i'll put a link to it on my website uh with the link uh, to this episode, but I found the story being read on a New Yorker podcast. So if you want it for free, it's there. Which or, one, the Faulkner or the Murakami? The Murakami story, okay. Barn Burning. Um, that was so. There's a you can find it for free online, being read by someone for a New Yorker article, or it's part of a Murakami collection. I think something about elephants. But I have not read nearly enough Murakami. I just read his like memoir about running, and I was like, yeah, that was pretty cool. And then it turns <laughs> out he's like this. F- I know he's known for his short stories, but I just never circled back. But oh my god, it's fucking killer! Um, and when you listen to the story, it's kind of crazy how much they were able to blow this, blow out that story into this film. The story's fairly short. A lot of the like best dialogue or key dialogue in the film, because like you said, the dialogue is very sparse. Mm-hmm. A lot of the dialogue is straight from the short story. That mm-hmm. whole sequence about. Um, I burn down green. Sometimes I burn down greenhouses when they're like out at his like yeah. family farm in uh, uh, Paju, Paju City. There, uh, all that whole dialogue is like almost verbatim. Although, interestingly, I was wondering: Do you think that the I burn down greenhouses rather than I burn down barns? In the original story, it's barns, and I was wondering if that was like a meaningful metaphor. Or if that was just like a setting thing, like there might not be that many barns in South Korea. I don't actually know. So did they switch it for that reason or did they switch it because I'm going to Ray. I think it's I think it might be for meaning because I wrote this down and tell me you could tell like where my brain was at while I was watching this because I wrote down greenhouse, a place where life once flourished, but now (laughs) is fallen and empty useless and sad like he said in his apartment the greenhouse is a metaphor oh no i think i may is dead (laughs) 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 so (laughs) so i i kind of like the idea of the greenhouse 
because it was a place where that was once productive, where life flourished, where things grew. But he only burns down abandoned ones that are no longer useful, that are just like cluttering up the landscape. So I thought maybe Greenhouse was an intentional choice. I mean, th- this is so tightly constructed. It's got to be intentional, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, I feel like my first thought is like barn feels like a very American thing. Like that feels like a very Faulkner thing to like see in the South is like as you're driving and seeing yeah. a lot of abandoned barns. But also like I feel like that would represent more like the fall of the South kind of thing as a barn. So I think that a greenhouse probably in Korea would be a similar symbol that is more appropriate to context. Like more visually interesting too, maybe like the, um, I loved once he made his little, his, uh, his like running route and was running and checking to mm-hmm. see if any of the greenhouses have been burned down. This, the whole production design is incredible, but like the set design specifically is gorgeous like the way that these abandoned greenhouses like the tatters that are floating off of them and they're all distinct too it's not just like look a derelict greenhouse look a derelict greenhouse you're like oh that one for the poles on that one are like darkly like deeply rusted or this one is blown to tatters whereas this one's just kind of sagging inwards Mm -hmm. i love that sort of shit like it's almost like um God, it sounds pretentious, but like a tone poem or like a texture <laughs> thing, you know, like varying the varying the sets that way. And he, we'll get into more set design, too, but like the use of order and disorder, clutter and cleanliness to like draw distinctions between characters. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Let's go to the first shot and kind of walk our way through it. That f- the first shot. And you could just tell that I was like, this is a this is clearly some kind of masterpiece. It was nominated for a ton of awards, so I need to be fucking watching this movie, man. <laughs> um, I wrote down the little metal hinge because the first shot that we get is just like a corner and part of a door. And I was trying to figure out why you would start there. We're not. It's not an establishing shot of anything. It's like a an in between space with our character, our main character, Jong Su like ducking around the side of his truck and smoking. Mm-hmm. I wrote down the little metal hinge looks like a face with smoke drifting out of the top of its head. Oh, you were ready. I was You were real ready. I was like I was like there must be symbolism in every frame of this film, you know, like that kind of thing. Um so we see him we see him like make a delivery. Great crowd work, by the way. <laughs> He's like he walks down this super crowded street, people yeah. bustling around. I don't know if you I watched it twice. The second time through was when I made most of my notes where I was like looking eagle-eyed for shit. There's this cool, I think it's an extra trying to get more screen time and it's (laughs) hilarious, but it kind of works too. As he's walking down the street with like the load on his shoulder, there's a guy waiting for a bus and he's holding a um, a guitar Mm -hmm. over his shoulder and he peeks around the corner to like watch Jong Su go by and then about 20 steps past that dude, the guy rips past him on the right, just full tilt boogie sprinting with the guitar still over his shoulder. And I'm like, that guy was like, guys, watch for me. I'm in the first 30 seconds and I run I'm past. Guy. I'm the running guy <laughs> on the right. Like, you're going to miss me in the crowd. But if I haul ass with a guitar on my back, You'll everyone's going to see Exactly. It's like, hey, mom. Um, I'm that guy. And he, pretty early on, we meet um, Jaime. And she's working as basically like, uh, in the story, she does like part-time modeling and here she's she's part of like a two person dance crew who are out singing on the street, you know, like, oh, there's a raffle tonight. Come on. But like, was it like a cell phone place or something? Is that what I'm, I feel like there was it was like a weird like he was delivering um, like like jackets and fabric. But the when later on, they gave away a cell phone. That's they what gave, I remember. They gave like, away a yoga mat like the and a watch. Okay. 
So I don't know. They were, and they talk about it later um, when they're at Ben's, like later after Jaime has disappeared, and they're at Ben's place, and they're talking about, um, you know, we they only, you know, if they they give stuff away at certain stores, but they only give stuff away if you spend, mm-hmm. if you're buying certain expensive things, because they're like being weirdly shitty about how China and America treat money as opposed to South Korea. The return of Bird. Um, so, what did you? I've, I always wonder about, I was wondering about this when we got to the end of the film, because the first thing she says is, hey, like, you don't remember me. I got plastic surgery. Aren't I beautiful now? Because um, she has him come back to do the raffle. Mm-hmm. He comes back and she's like, you don't remember me, do you? We grew up in the, the same little town out in, um, Pod, uh, Pod, I think it's Paja. My note is really sketchy, but like out in this rural area of right on the South Korean, North Korean border, which is so fucking trippy later in the movie. Yeah. Um, so do you think, did she get plastic surgery? Because she doesn't, does she have a cat? Oh, Was gosh. there a well? You know, like there's... Well, yeah, that's the whole thing, is it? Like a lot of what she says comes into question later. I feel like she did get plastic surgery. I feel like that's the kind of thing she wants recognition for. But then, you know, why lie about the well later if, if I don't know. And what's really trippy is it's never made clear whether or not there was a well or whether or not there was a cat. I know. This is why he's so brilliant. I know. Like the whole movie, you're just like, what? (laughs) Like, who do you trust? Like, it seems like it's very clearly told from one perspective. But like, you know, he's not really that reliable. She's not that reliable. I don't trust Steven Yoon. I mean, at all. I believe everything about him, but I don't trust him. And it's neither just, did Jaime. Remember, she's she says that uh, Jiang Su is the only person in the world that she trusts, and that's what made Ben jealous shortly before she disappeared. Sorry, go ahead. Oh God. Yeah, I don't know. I I believe she got plastic surgery because she seems like someone who would get money to do that, do it, and like not think about it. Like she seems relatively impulsive. She like makes some weird decisions, and that seems like a decision that like if she wants to advance in her weird little, I'm gonna be a part-time model person that she would do that because she doesn't seem like she has a lot else going on yeah she yeah she does kind of like and she we find out later that she's in massive credit card debt totally broke we see her apartment and it's i mean it's kind of like the apartment i lived in in maine you know like three 200 square feet not even if you count the balcony kind of apartment feels like a strong word her room it's it's a place she lives her rented yeah her rented room especially when she's like it faces north it's dark and cold place i'm like yeah you gotta move (laughs) this is a pretty rough room that you're in here um yeah i i wonder about that because one of the notes that i had about the, the specifically like the weird way that their lives seem to have always been tied together for her is when he first comes to visit her apartment to feed her maybe imaginary I cat? never thought the cat was imaginary. So this is fascinating to me. Well, I know. So we see like she's got the food and the food is obviously All right, when he comes back and there's, well, yeah, but Stephen Yoon has the cat at that point. So like, why wouldn't, wouldn't he take all the stuff? Well, what I mean, when he, when she goes to Africa, he comes and we see him feed the cat twice. Yeah. And jerk off in her room twice. Of course, as you do. Yeah. I mean, look, you know. Is that not house sitting? I don't understand. Right. Yeah. Every time I've had to watch pets, I'm like, man, I don't really want to, but I guess Guess I better. Guess I better. They'll know. (laughs) Um, But we do see him feed the cat twice. So he comes over and puts food in the bowl. So obviously the bowl is empty. Yeah. So something ate the food or took the food away and there's poop in the cat box Uh twice. So there's a cat, right? 
Yeah. But then when he's pounding on the door later on, because Jaime has disappeared, he's like, I, I need to, you know, the um, the landlady comes to the stairs yeah. and she's like, hi, guy, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and he's like, I have to get in here. The cat's going to starve. I have to feed the cat. And the lady's like, there's no cat. We don't allow pets in this unit. Yeah, and I still think there was a cat. You think there was a cat? Well, yeah, because obviously she's lying about the cat. To the landlady. To the landlady. Like you do. Yes. And then later on, but here's the other thing. Because he never sees the cat in the apartment because the cat doesn't like strangers and doesn't come to strangers, right? Like, the cat's name is Boyle, by the way, which is just adorable. I did not think Boiler Room. I thought, like, the cat's, like, naming a cat, like, Pustule or something. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, Jaime. That's kind of fucked. But, um, uh, and then the, you know, her goldfish, Lance. But uh, when later on, when Steven Yoon, yeah, I can't call him Ben either. Sorry, I can't He's do just it. Steven, just Steven Yoon. He's he's not a creepy psychopathic murderer. Ben, the character he plays is, he's a dreamboat. Um, but later on, when he's got a sudden stray that he's picked up, which he didn't have before, that cat comes right out when uh, Jong Su shows up. So this cat doesn't have the same skittish issues. That, or is I don't know, but this cat seems to behave differently than the previous maybe non-existent cat did. I know, like it's no, because because I feel like being skittish in your own weird little like tiny room where it doesn't actually make think- sense. The cat could hide except like in the toilet <laughs> makes more sense than like if he's out loose in a parking lot. That like there's some fucking, there's some <laughs> piles of clothes he might have gotten under. That room was pretty tornado like, blasted. The cat could be skittish in one setting and not in the other. That's not that weird to me. Come more, you know what a cat would be more comfortable with a possible murderer yeah like oh this guy's a sociopath this is much better that but no he, he didn't go to steven yoon right he went to the other guy yeah that's how he gets him out that's true and he does and he had fed him before so like of all people like, right and the, he uh, would go the to cat him. does come to him when he calls it boil and it comes yeah. over and you're like yeah i'm i am on team cat was real cat was real team cat was real right, how about is well real because here's the other <sighs> here's the other thing and then i want to circle back because wait so so far i am team plastic surgery is real yep. team cat is real okay so we're on to the last two so so far things. she's been Several truthful things. okay so far yes so she tells but this... like about her like her body and her animal so it's like her space it's her stuff that she's being True. honest about so far to so, me Yes. So she tells, before we skip past the plastic surgery thing too, Mm -hmm. when the first time he comes over, when she's like, oh yeah, you have to feed my cat. Here's where the food is and here's where it poops. Um, Also, let's have sex. You know, like once again, house sitting, you know, it's why I'm so reticent to do it, honestly. There's a lot of strings attached. (laughs) There's a lot involved when you say cat sitting, I understand Can you watch my pets? It's like, God, do I want to have sex and have to jack (laughs) off a bunch of times over this month? I guess. Sure. Can you throw in a hundred bucks <laughs> just to make me feel cheap? Um, but yeah, so the first time he comes over, uh, she's telling him like, you called me, you said I was ugly once, you know, as junior high. It was the only thing you said to me in junior high. You ran across the street and said, you're, you're really ugly. And then like ran away. I connected that with her getting plastic surgery. Mm-hmm. Like he'd said this shitty thing to her when they were in school. And that made her get plastic surgery because it gave her like a complex. And he has no memory of this event. Later, when they're like either just had smoked grass or like right before they started doing reefers out at his like family Mm -hmm. farm, she tells another story about a time that she fell into a well because they used to live like right across the street from each other, like across a field. Yeah, across a field must be. (laughs) 
that uh, yeah picturesque it's, here <laughs> it's it's rural so like she's on a five eight, you know a 25 acre spread of she's farmland a, a hill and a plane away <laughs> under the under the gorgeous sunset i read um in the trivia that they had to throw away a bunch of shots because the area they were shooting was so breathtakingly beautiful and the director wanted it to look like kind of ominous but all the shots were just fucking they were like gorgeous. damn it this is too nice yeah, it's like it literally like that's what it was the cinematographer's like Boss, we caught another gorgeous sunset. We got to scrap everything. <laughs> Redo it. Yeah, <sighs> make. Can you guys make it look shittier? And they're like, not really. <laughs> it's like the coolest it place we've ever is. been. Um, but so she says that when she was seven years old, she fell down a, a, an empty well and was like down at the bottom for hours, staring up at the sky and crying, waiting for somebody to come and save her. And it was Jong Su's face that appeared at the top of the well, and he has no memory of this either. And then after she disappears, he runs into her mom. And Jaime's mom is... I mean, he doesn't run into her mom. He, like, seeks her mom out, right? Like, doesn't he intentionally go find them? That was my impression, is that he is, like, suspicious because she's gone. And he, like, so tries to find them. up the spots? That was my sense. Because I feel like he walks into this place and, like, looks at them very intentionally and, like prompts them to remember or like asks them okay, specifically okay. about it that's my memory i missed that might be the case i it I, felt like he was intentional about it that makes more sense than what i the way that i read it was like it was when he meets jaime she's like you don't remember me do you well her mom says the same thing to him in that restaurant she's like you don't recognize me i i'm you know jaime's mom did she send you here so I thought it was like just bumped into her, but I think you're probably right. I thought he was like getting a little sketched out because I think he's, at that point he had started following Ben, right? Yeah. yeah so he was already on this train of like something's you, gone Stephen wrong. Yoon. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I felt bad after I said it. I was like, wait, that feels wrong. That's not, it's, it's, <laughs> it's not right. When he's a killer, he's Ben. When he's a dream boat, he's When he's getting stalked, he's Ben. When he's just, when I picture his face, he's Stephen Yoon. <laughs> When I picture the when back you of his car, a sports it's ben. car, it's Ben. <laughs> yes, yeah. that's a Ben kind of car. <laughs> yeah, that's Ben. It's not Stephen Yoon, but his face, though. Yeah, that's. I think the moment that well, I don't know about you, but the moment where this movie turns for me is the last hour. The first hour and a half is like all like establishing characters and establishing tone and establishing vibe, and and Jaime goes missing at, with one hour left in the movie, approximately. From that moment till the end, that's when you get the violin string all the way up to the fucking burning car in the back window yeah um, i feel like it turned a little bit earlier for me i feel like it's when they're the three of them are together and they sp- like when i think steven yoon talks about burning stuff that's burning the, that's my that's turning, turning point. point yeah i think especially because and it's more about her for me the fact that like they smoke and she is just in her own little world and they just kind of ignore her and just like let her do her thing and get very fixated on their like own little masculine conversation about like well I burn stuff and and he gets mad and it, that feels like the point when it starts to get really outwardly hostile to me um I think that that scene's interesting let's put a quick pin in it so that we can finish the well thing but then let's come right back to that because I think that's one you, of the most you start it's you, my you rabbit remember, hole it's, it's my rabbit We're back hole. to the well I yep. mean the well so her mom says that they didn't That's have a well. Yeah, because yeah, she's yeah. like, there, we don't have a well outside of our house. She, that never happened. But then Jong Su's mom remembers that well later on. But then another guy in the neighborhood doesn't remember the well. This is these are there's little shit like this all through this movie that I think really contributes strongly and in a cool way to that feeling, that weird. Yeah, feeling. that like unease. Yeah, where you're like. Is there a fucking cat? 
Like, come on, man. I just want to know, like, well, one thing for sure. <laughs> especially because there's no, like, a lot of this is, like, what is the motivation? It's, like, you know, fine if she lies about the well. She is getting something out of it, maybe. But, like, why would the mom lie about the well? Why would his mom lie about the well? And I think it conflates this, like, misremembering that, like, happens pretty honestly right. and genuinely with this kind of – it imbues everything with this malicious undertone of, like, well, who's lying and why are they lying? Um, so I – I, have, I am team Noel. Team Noel. I'm uh, team Noel. Noel. <laughs> <laughs> Close enough to the holiday well season. Lie? I'll allow it. Lie well. L- well, lie. The false. Fake. Made it up. Not, Not true. real. <laughs> um, about the well, I I thought it was really interesting. I have a note in it here somewhere. I'm sure I'll run into it. Oh yeah, I said no cat question mark no well. <laughs> um metaphors because here's here's some of my textual evidence that ben did it oh we're going you're going straight for it I'm now i'm just gonna soft shoe in yeah, that wasn't soft <laughs> ben fucking killed her oh uh, this is gonna be fun <laughs> this is gonna be good because you don't think so so are we gonna do this now you want to start let's doing introduce this now? our opinions okay let's, let's so dive in. after i watched it i was like he did it was right 100 like percent, he did it absolutely is it the watch her. that was like motherfucker i don't know what part it was it's just like I think everything, just like maybe the tension, like yeah. being so embroiled in the tension. I'm like, so, like this guy, I don't believe him. Mm. And he's the sketchy guy. And then thinking about it in the last couple of days, I am now thinking that he didn't do it. And I am now thinking that the reason that people think he did it, I'm not imposing it on you, why I thought he did it. Sure. I was very focused on them. And I think that it removes her agency. And I think the fact that she lies about the well, she has credit card debt. She clearly has a lot of ulterior motives. Like him killing her, like takes away her agency. And I feel like it would make perfect sense for her to just like jet off. She owes like neither of these guys anything. Like it's true. She just We've seen left, her jet man. before. She rolled off to Africa. She just goes. It's she true. just does things. She asks random people she hasn't seen in years to watch her cat that may or may not be alive. Like, but wait. Well, no. Okay. Continue. So, so I am. Cur- I am currently thinking that he didn't kill her. Team, team no Ben. I'm team yes Ben. Okay. I've gone both ways though, so like <laughs> I can be easily swayed. But like in my current state, having not watched it for a few months, just thinking about like the characters, I'm like, no, I don't think he did it. I think he's just a slimy guy. He's weird. And I think that like you can collect trophies and be skeezy and like dismissive of women without being a murderer. This, and I think that's a bigger crime. This could be like <laughs> sexual conquest trophies, yes, is what you're that's, thinking. Yeah, like, I think so. This is my drawer of you know, these are the girls that I've like slept with or yeah. conquested or what have you. Yeah. Cause he clearly goes through the same. I mean, I think that he can be a shitty guy who like parades around women, ignores them, yawns at them, is very dismissive of them sure. without like, also without going good. to the ultimate thing of like, she must be disappeared because she's no longer alive. Only- when like he was a dick. It's true. Yeah. She should have left him. Both of them, they were dicks. Uh, yeah, both of those dudes were wrapped up in their own shit, like way too much. Like, okay, in the same evening, Jong Su says, and I'm gonna come back to why I think Ben killed her. But in the <laughs> same evening, Jong Su says, not to Jaime, but to Ben. Fuck, I just said, you know, I love her. I love Jaime. Fuck, I just said I love her, man. Are you not listening to me? I love her. And Ben laughs. Right. Now that you said that, now I'm wondering if Ben Ben laughs because, like, you fucking idiot. She's not worth loving. She's an empty greenhouse. She's, you know, that's the metaphor that I'm operating from. Mm-hmm. 
especially because of their weird meetup in the tea house where he's like, I burned it down like two days after I left your place, which is the same time Jaime left. There's a, yeah. There's a lot Again, of, there was a reason that after I watched that movie, I was sure. like, oh, she did. <laughs> but I feel like it's too simple for him to have been a murderer. And, you know, part of the beauty of it is I don't think there, I mean, not I don't think, there literally is no answer. Yeah. There's no way to know for sure. But it's like the spinning top at the end of Inception. You can go either way, you know? Um, because Ben could either be saying that he like burned that down, burned, burned her down as in killed her. And I have some evidence that I think points to that, but it textual evidence, I would say textual evidence. I believe it is textually supported. I mean, come on the reservoir staring at the reservoir. He does all the classic serial killer shit. Here's his dumping He's a sketchy dude. He is a sketchy dude, but maybe he's also sketchy you know what i mean he just doesn't seem like a guy who really wants to get his hands that dirty he seems like a guy who is just like i you know i'm gonna get what i want and then like move on with that like it just seems really messy to have to deal with you know as we see at the end of the movie like murder is actually very violent and messy and like there's a lot to deal with it's true yeah it is it and he's like so clean yeah clean cut he's a clean man steven yoon but but his butt is bent Stephen Yoon, I have no doubt, would never murder a woman. <laughs> but, True, you're right. This but, is not, we're not talking about Stephen Yoon, yes. the murderer. We're talking about Ben, ben the murderer. When we're talking about him killing, <laughs> just take it as read that we mean Ben. <laughs> I do not mean You've Stephen. added a layer of complexity I'm to sorry. this show. No, you're fine. <laughs> um, yeah, all right. Sorry. So there was our soft shoe in. Wait, so what? Te- are you team well or team no well? I think team no well, but I'm kind of coming around to your p- thing about the cat. I think there is a cat. I think she has a cat. But your team no plastic surgery. Why does Ben have the cat if she's not dead? Here's, okay. Because she just leaves cats with random strangers for no real reason. How many times do you think Ben jacked off in her apartment? Too many. (laughs) (laughs) See, another thing. These, yeah, you're right. She should have left these guys. They're just totally like violating all sorts of like space and boundaries and ugh. But in the same, I'm sorry, I I never fucking finished this thought because I so badly want to explain why Ben killed her. In the same night, Jong-Soo says to Ben, I love Jaime. And then to Jaime, why do you take your clothes off so easily around men? Only whores do that. Yeah. He's a dick. They suck. These dudes yeah, suck. They do. So I, I think. And that's why that part is a turning part for me. It's like that interaction when it's like so clear that it's not about her. Like this isn't about her. It's about the two of them. It's about those two men. Totally. That he can just be like, I'm going to tell you how I feel. But to your face, I'm actually going to like really demean you as a person and reduce you right. to your body as I've done pretty much as long as I've known you. Yeah. yeah. Like that he does not, the only way that he like expresses himself towards her is physically. And she takes the reins on that a hundred percent of the time. He's never initiating shit that we'll talk about the cinematography and their like first sex scene. It's incredible. Um, but the only, the there's like you can tell that he does have some kind of feeling he really doesn't have his shit together at all no this is not like an emotionally mature aware person but like you can see moments when she's like telling him things about africa about seeing the sunrise for example mm-hmm. where he's co- only looking at her he's like wrapped and absorbing everything and ben is like smiling and laughing and he's like it's weird that you cry <laughs> <laughs> I would never cry, <laughs> you know. Um, but like during it, like eye contact is a weird signifier for me in this movie because when she's expressing like deep sadnesses, 
like the the stone in her heart, you know, um, is how I came to think of it. Jung Soo is like super wrapped up in that. He's like totally absorbed in the moment. But when she starts to express affection, he's off. Like his he, during the sex scene, for example, he mm. looks everywhere but at her and only in like glances. She stares at fully absorbed at him the entire time. She's like fully present. He's like looking at a light on the wall. Which was a beautiful poetic moment, but also like, bro, <laughs> come on, back back on target, dude. Uh, but I was the thing that I thought was interesting about her because her, even her mom says like she makes stuff up, she tells stories, she's really great at telling stories that you would believe. Is I wrote sometimes stories are the truth; they just don't happen to be the facts. Mm. So like her trapped at the bottom of a well. Trapped at the bottom of a well, staring up at the sky and waiting for, hoping for somebody to pull you out is a pretty solid description of like loneliness and depression. Yeah. You know, um, the way that she describes that sunset, like that she watched in Africa, there's little shit in here, like the sunset in Africa that makes me think murder again. And nothing like a sunset in Africa to make you think about murder. You know, on, I mean, the first call we get is like, sorry, I'm not home yet. There was a bombing at the airport. I think that happens kind of often here. And you're like, Yeesh. also, wasn't it at the airport where she met Ben? Doesn't Ben burn shit down? Hmm. No, I know. I, bet, I know. It, I know it's a bit of a stretch, but it's kind of an echo of what we hear later. But I think it's more of it. I think it's an echo of just like homies into arson. That's all I'm saying. I think there's just like, you know, sometimes there's fire and it just happens. Sometimes there is just fire. Hi, little rat dog. Um, Hello, weasel. Let's. J- all right. Now that we've jumped literally all over the entire film, including almost I'm following you. I know. I love it. Thank you for. <laughs> thank you for joining me in the the warren of rabbit holes. Um, what'd you think of that pantomime at the beginning? The eating tangerines scene. It was so interesting. I mean, it it also kind of feeds into this whole like she's good at making up stories that aren't real mm-hmm. like her commitment to this fruit that isn't real is kind of it's just like another layer of her just being really invested in things that aren't reality that aren't true but that well that aren't reality but maybe are true like to your point there's a cool line about that specifically where she says um now i can eat tangerines whenever i want don't think there's a tangerine here just forget there isn't one that's the key which Straight from the straight from the Murakami story, and there's a line in the story that I think kind of expands that point a little bit, but it's narrative, so they don't include mm. it in the film. And he says, "There's basically the our narrator, who in the in the short story is married and an adult. He's and much is older it first than person? Hyman. It is interesting. Um, he's talking about. He says watching her like peel these tangerines. Um, he says." She'd continued to do it all throughout the evening while we were drinking. And watching her do it created the strange sensation of all reality being drained out of everything around her. Like, so that it got to a point where he wasn't sure that she wasn't peeling tangerines. (laughs) Which kind of, like, kind of talks about, I don't know, there's like a weird kind of pseudo-zen, not even pseudo-zen, there's like a zen moment there which is like if she's fully convinced that she's eating tangerines and so is he 
does it matter that she's not eating tangerines? But she's not convinced she's eating tangerines. She's convinced she's not not eating tangerines. Now we're getting into it. I mean, now we're digging we're gonna in. Do it. Might as well do it. <laughs> she's forgotten that she's not. Just forget she's not that she's not. not she's not not eating tangerines. Yeah. Which I guess is not the same thing. Oh shit! This is a headache kind of movie. Sometimes no, I love it. No, it's really interesting. Same. I should have asked earlier about Murakami. Um, I feel like the fact I need to go read it. The fact that that's first person it's feels cool. really interesting to me because I feel like this movie has such few characters and you get to know them. I mean, you see them a lot, mm. but I feel like there is such distance. Like I feel like they've almost spent more time on a lot of the scenery and a lot of like the setup and the sets. And I don't know. It's just interesting. The thought of an, of like this story told actually from a first being person in, perspective. To be inside yeah. His head. Cause I think part of the distance is what makes it so interesting that like you're seeing his side of things, but like not really. Cause you're not, he's never, accusing anyone he's never saying what he actually means so it just feels interesting like even when he starts suspecting ben in the latter half of the movie he never he never comes out and like confronts ben mega spoilers he just kills him well yeah without ever like being like hey did you kill jaime he just fucking that was the best part is it what i what i loved was the moment in the movie at the end where you're like you are following everything he's thinking but he is never saying it he never says any of it he's never like putting pieces together to anyone there's no friends there's no like outward like let me connect these dots like you are connecting all of them just watching him right connect them it's kind of a magic trick of it's movie. brilliant it's i love m- it too. much i'm like too. The, the fact that you know he thinks that he killed her without that ever, ever being, being said, spoken no one that was the ever part. says she's ever. dead ever never but you're like 100 percent. yeah you're like the first time at least you watch <laughs> it you're like oh shit <laughs> You're like, something has gone wrong here. Or like, even if she's not dead, like he thinks she, she's dead. Yeah, you, you're right. It's it's almost like reading, because he, even when he answers his phone, you know, like he doesn't, he must have like, what, a hundred lines in the whole movie? Because like yeah. when he answers his phone, it's like, hello. <laughs> hello. It's not like, hello, hi, Jong Su here. How can I help? He's like, sometimes he doesn't even say that. I'll just answer the phone and be like, uh. uh he just kind of breathes uh, into uh, it. Yeah, and then he's yelling at the person on the other line, like, why, why do you call if you don't say anything? And they're like, you didn't say hello. Sorry, this is your debt collector. <laughs> I didn't know if you were there. I just heard some weird breathing. Most people say words when they answer the phone. Yeah, right. Okay, one one thing about... Uh, so I think we get a lot of characterization, not through dialogue, like you, like you were saying. Just seeing how things are presented to us gives us an idea of who these people are mm-hmm. without people being like, oh, yeah, he's rich and he does this and... Oh, what are your thoughts on the world? You kind of get a sense of that for all three characters just by how they're presented to us, which is, it's like the ultimate show don't tell, which is so cool. There was a little beat and I just want to get it out because I, we've been joking about it and I don't want to forget it, but the couple of times that we see him like jerking off in her apartment, they shoot him writing that like, um, writing that uh, like letter to help his father, the petition, mm-hmm. they shoot him writing that thing from the same angle and because his hands are below the screen, that's what I thought he was doing at first. <laughs> so I'm like, interesting. So he wants to be a Just writer. Just doing it again. <laughs> yeah, well, I was like, what an interesting way to like present him writing is the same thing as him like masturbating. And then when he ultimately does go and start writing his novel, he does it at that window in the same spot. Yeah, that he's I did notice twice. that. And I'm yeah. just like connecting his like writing ambition and his like weird masturbatory creepy boundary violation thing speak of the devil there goes lauren on a pillow oh, there she goes. <laughs> <laughs> she's like you can't talk about this she's like, you got- 
she watched it with me. So honestly, it probably just she's been looking at Steven Yeun all day. I, you can't really blame the poor girl. <laughs> there is kind of the weird. Yeah, it's she's a she's oh, she always keeps uh, keeps things lively for company. Oh, I have to just timing. point it out because you never want the guest to just be like, what's that? You just want to get ahead. I of just it. appreciated the timing of it. It was impeccable. <laughs> Thank you, Lorna. She's the, the silent third well member trained. of the podcast. Um, what did you. So I, let me read this real quick. Camera work, because this is the bit when they're. I want to jump back to now that we're talking about all the weird. Thanks, Lorna. You brought us back to the, the sex scene. Speaking of masturbation. Yeah. yeah um, that. The way the way that that sex scene is shot, mostly I've been watching like a lot of Hollywood stuff lately, and man, they it's all like powder filtered, and everybody's in full makeup when they're in bed, and there's like wind machines. The contrast between like the classic Hollywood sex scene and their first encounter. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna ask your thoughts, but you barely got yeah. What do what do you think? It just. You know, we've been talking about how, like, the end of the movie really ramps up the tension. And I feel like this, I mean, it's uncomfortable to watch. Like, it's, there's not a, like, to be having sex without that kind of connection. I don't know. It just feels very, like, quick. It, just the fact that they're in her room and and suddenly she's, like, naked and instigating it. it just, right. It feels very weird. She di- She does, like, dive straight in. And there's a, I like that you said, like, the lack of connection. So I wrote down, I have something about the camera work here that there was a really cool camera move they did where, you know, they're on, they're kissing and then they get on the bed. She strips her shirt off and lays down. Mm -hmm. And as she lays down, the camera drops onto its side. So like your whole perspective like falls down onto the bed with her and it gets, it basically by tilting like that kind of puts you into like that position or like the the glamour Mm -hmm. shot. But then he doesn't can't get his shirt off so she sits back up and the camera comes back up with her she helps him like get the shirt off they go back down and then she we stay down while she like reaches under the bed and later on i was thinking like the condoms and the cat poop are really close (laughs) together so like wait here put this on nope not that one hold on (laughs) you know like here i got this for you so she gets back up sorry i shouldn't even talk about this around the dog obviously gets her works up get the tail lorna just bite that tail everybody's got their own thing um she gets, it tips onto its side, back upright as she lays down, gets back up, lays back down, gets the condom, gets up again. Um, the camera work, I thought, expressed like the start and stop awkward fumbling mm-hmm. of both a first sexual encounter, but also it pinned us to her point of view mm-hmm. in that moment. So we first start cueing in to like her energy in that scene. We're with her. When we cut... There's two times we do it, but the first time that we cut to Jong Su, it's from her POV, so like from her eyes looking up, and it's what it's like. It's called a cowboy shot. It's a medium, but a little bit wider out, which I thought was brilliant, um, because it puts him. He's like it's like he's drowning in the moment because he's very small. All of the stuff we see of her is kind of like medium or maybe even like medium close up. When we cut to him, he's like the tiny figure and mostly what we get is the big weird clutter of wall behind him Mm -hmm. with her cloth map and all the places that she's been and like kind of like the things that she desires but he's not dominant in that yeah which i thought was really interesting um i love the cinematography in this uh then what did you think of the him catching what did you think the symbolism was of him catching that little 
patch of sunlight because she says that you have to be lucky to see it it's only for like a brief moment of the day my first reaction to it was like he looks up and sees the patch of sunlight and is like oh there's only like this is like a special thing that i'm seeing while they're having sex yeah like literally he's prioritized like oh she just told me about this i should probably enjoy this light and he's completely forgotten about or like left the moment with her but i don't know it yeah, I feel like the beginning feels a lot like this weird coincidence and chance thing. Like the fact that he even runs into her feels like very chancy. That does, yeah, definitely. And then, so that part to me felt very like it just kind of lined up all of this. Like, you know, he offers to help her. He shows up and like doesn't expect to have sex with her. It just kind of like lucks into it. He gets lucky by seeing. I think it's more like he's very much basking in this. Like, how fortunate am I that I ran into this girl who like happens to be attractive now? and wants to have sex with me and I'm getting to see this light that like she barely even sees this kind of like I don't know I like the I feel like that is a moment of agency for her because she when she she's like hey come back to the raffle later then she instigates their relationship she asks him to watch her cat she asks him out for drinks like all the stuff we see with Ben Ben kind of like drives Mm -hmm. that and like like you were saying if Ben kills her it kind of removes agency from her rather than her just like bailing because she's got credit card debt and doesn't want to be with either of these fucking assholes. But her relationship with Jong Su, at least in the beginning, when she like instigates the sexual encounter in the bedroom, she leans forward and kisses him. She yeah. like she's Ferez like filled with sorrow and shown as like this like sad, fallen, broken character. She really does drive all of the interactions with our protagonist for like the first half of the flick. And it feels very pointed too. Like I feel like the reason she brings up plastic surgery is not like a, you know, it really haunted me. You like hurt me. And I, you know, went through this thing to like be a better person. It feels like a very like, ha, I got you. Like you're interested in me now. I got plastic surgery. I'm attractive. Like I can kind of dictate the way that this is going to go and you're going to watch my cat and we're going to have sex in like this really incredibly awkward way <laughs> but like yeah I feel you like know she gets end. what she wants out of it like she's pulling a lot of strings at the beginning even though she doesn't I think she doesn't let him think that she is I think that he interprets it all as a very like wow I'm so charismatic and I've like lucked into this position and she's like no I'm gonna get what I want out of you interesting she's so she's almost like in this early half of the film kind of more like a Ben character or is that you're no, saying? No, I don't think I'm, I'm, <laughs> Not I'm ascribing a lot more manipulation, but I think that like, I think that she presents very like, like you said, like this very kind of like sad, quiet person. And I think that maybe she's not quite, or she's like found a way to use that, not to her advantage, but like, you, you, she's not all one thing. There's a like, subtle I think she has power. an intention there. She's uh, like, you know, they're like one of the, one of the big, um, like buzzwords in modern movies is like strong female character. Mm. And it's kind of come to mean like, you know, Captain Marvel or like Lara Croft or like ass kicking babe. Yeah. But this is a strong female character in some ways in the beginning. All of these people are like complex, well-rounded and fleshed out. None of these are really like caricatures, archetypes, maybe some of them for sure. But I, I, I think you're right. I think she does have like more agency and more power in the beginning half of this film than I'd, than I described to her in my notes. I well, think yeah, right. I think especially with, you know, with Jong Su, like without, when it comes to Ben, I think that she very much is the like submissive, you know, he takes a lot more of that control. He takes over the kind of like. Do you think that's a financial sunshine. thing? 
I mean, it's a, I think it's a chicken or the egg thing. Like, is he that way? Be, like, is it because he's rich or is he rich because he's that way? Like, I don't know. Mm. Or like, you know what I mean? I was wondering, what I mean is, do you think that she falls into that uh, other role in their relationship because, like, he's paying the bills and taking her out for dinner, so she doesn't... I don't know. I don't know exactly. I think they're so intertwined, and I think that's... Like, I think that he is so much part of his wealth, and his wealth is so much part of him that I'm not sure that you can even... Disentangle the two. I see what you mean. Um Jong-Soo has to... What do you think of the dad subplot? Jong-Soo ends up going out to his, like, rural childhood home, which, because his dad's getting... His dad's, like, on trial for, we find out later, smashing a public official with a chair and breaking his right hand while his... Maybe while he's being, like, evicted or something. Yeah. But some public official came out to talk to Jong-Soo's dad Jong-Soo fucked him up with a ch- or Jong-Soo's dad fucked him up with a chair and now his dad's like being arraigned for this. I mean, it's a lot of male aggression in this movie. It's like yeah, non-stop basically. Like with little provocation or with a lot of provocation, I mean depending on how you look at it. Like and and I feel like it was something to do cuz he was a farmer and he wasn't it seems like they weren't really doing that well, right? I mean the state of the house, the state of the farm was not great. So Totally. The clutter and disorder. There's only one calf left on the property. It's like this skinny female calf that's out there. Um and then we also while we're out at the while we're out at the farm, which is beautifully shot. Um there's he he has a key on the key ring to the truck. And Jong Su's like, what is this key for? Goes into the workshop, pops that safe, and it's filled with knives. Mm-hmm. So here's more reason. Now that we're here, here's another reason that I think, I think maybe Ben killed her. Later on, we get kind of a similar moment where Ben, where uh, Jong Su's in the bathroom, and he opens up that little like not locked black box, and it's filled with makeup. The makeup, so like open a safe filled with knives you're like oh holy shit it's like a big powerful moment of like male aggression male violence hidden in a box right mm-hmm. i'm saying that maybe opening that thing in bed you're not expecting that to be makeup mm-hmm. whatever's in that box when it's opening up there's no way your first thought is like this is filled with like really well organized makeup supplies and then that drawer filled with like bangles and stuff from the trophy case is how I think of it. I uh-huh. can see it both ways, but it's the black box more that's the the evidence to me. Yeah, because it seems to like rhyme in a way with safe filled with knives. It's like the subtler, more insidious version of a box filled with knives. Maybe these. Yeah, are I don't his disagree weapons. with you. I just feel like it's not like that. The end result doesn't mean murder. I feel like it can be imbued with that kind of like violence and hostility while just being about like conquering women without murdering them when he you know i'm like i can see it this way too i can see it this way too because later when he's putting the makeup on the girl like Mm -hmm. when they're sitting like face to face it's very bizarre energy in that scene where like she seems to be into it they're really close it's shot really intimately and steven yoon's got that like Steven Yoon smile uh-huh. going where you're like oh I know which one <laughs> yes. yeah that one that's the one and she the female actress in that scene seems to like go through like a oh this is really fun and romantic and then kind of there's like almost like a fl- like a flicker of like discomfort in her face in that performance where it's almost like 
I can see what you're saying. We're like, these are his weapons, but they're not weapons of murder. They're weapons of like you objectification. Yeah. Like, let me put makeup on you. This is something I'm doing for me. And you just sit still. Okay, honey. Cool. All right. I'm going to take you to dinner later. So you're going to do this thing for me. All right. Awesome. So I can see him being like that kind of slimy skeezy rather so than. Slimy, skeezy. I mean, I think that the best part is that like, it's like a paper thin line, which I think is very true in reality between like objectification, like, passive violence and like actual violence right like the fact that we can kind of go back and forth between like is he a murderer right or is he just, just based, an asshole just based on the same evidence yes you're right it's just you're like totally you know right. it is it is like it is a very thin line to like cross over for men in this movie and probably in life to cross over from like you know this quote-unquote like i don't want to say non-violent violence but like you know not murder um so, yeah, I think that, like, the fact that we can look at both of these things and think that he literally killed a human being. Just based on. Yeah. Or that I could be like, well, maybe he's just murdered her soul. Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I I used to do. I'm always kind of surprised and I'm working on, like, being better and more aware of this. Honestly, a huge chunk of what made me more aware of this is Barbie. <laughs> 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 but, like. Uh, I, I used to have um, I used to do another podcast with my friend um, Alice and one thing that always blew me away we'd be talking about movies and there'd be like some guy would stalk a woman home from a bar and I'd be like that's the most insane thing ever and she's like that's pretty normal actually mm -hmm. like this is something that women worry about all the time and I'm like what and she's like yeah, yeah, like they make nail polish that you can dip in your drink and it tells you if you've been roofied yeah, or not. there's like a phone that I would always call friends. It would be like, oh, I'm walking to my car. I'm going to talk to you for a minute just so like you were on the phone with someone. Like pretty constant from so, like high school on, really. So I'm wondering if maybe the way I'm reading my evidence is just ma my male perspective. Like this guy is clearly violent because that's kind of – like the alignment or the the perspective that I've like grown up with and stuff did how do you think I mean I don't know I don't even know exactly what question I'm trying to ask but what was your take of Ben I guess that was your take like he's well, just no, I like told a you what, after I first watched it I thought he did it because I was just like <laughs> when you're in the moment and you're just maybe because like you are following it Although not as concisely as like a first person perspective from a novel, but mm. like you are following it from the perspective of the one who thinks that he is a murderer. So like you are following that you are putting those pieces together and like it feels like the conclusion is like all of these things are too they're too weird. It doesn't feel right. He feels like so distant. Like he doesn't even feel like a person like he just feels like this very like cardboard cutout of like a sketchy man. Right. Who's very attractive. And. <laughs> Um, a sketchy, very beautiful man. And I think that like all of that tension builds up and the only way that you can, I feel like rationalize it is like, I'm feeling something, he's feeling something on the screen. Like something went wrong. Like something had to have gone no matter really what, wrong. Something is not right. Yeah. For sure. And it, and so I think you follow him there and I was like, oh yeah, he definitely did it. Um, and it was only like thinking about it removed from that tension and removed from that character perspective that I was like, well, I mean like, what is the evidence? And what is the evidence that it's murder and not just him being an asshole? And what is the evidence that she didn't have any say in what happened to Isn't her? This movie cool. Yes. I love this movie. It's so fucking good. This is why I was excited. I mean, I had no idea watching it that I was going to get into this. Um, so, yeah, I think that I just thought a lot about, more about her in the last few days. There's and it was just like, what, like, why does she have to die? 
She doesn't have to die. She could just peace out, man. Honestly, she. I like that ending for her better. I'm not 100%. There's, like, this movie is weird, like, weirdly still, you know? Like, it's almost like um like a dark surface of water, and all you really get are ripples, and you have to, like, decide what's going on underneath based on what you're seeing on the surface. And there's a few little, like, pebbles that get dropped in there. One of them is when they first go to Ben's place, and he's cooking them pasta. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I love cooking. Especially, I love eating it. It's like an offering that I give to myself, like a god. That's some fucking Ted Bundy shit, for sure. And then she goes, an offering? And he goes, it's a metaphor. Ask Jong because which seems like kind of a nice, like, here is a softball to your other friend. He was a writing major, so he can tell you all about a metaphor. But that establishes textually, <laughs> textually, Alex, <laughs> that... Ben, Ben likes, he's like speaking in metaphors. He thinks of himself as a god metaphorically. And then later when he tells, if you take his whole speech to Jung Su metaphorically, that he burns down greenhouses, mm-hmm. which he describes as like things that, you know, once served a purpose but are now useless, these broken down things that no one's going to miss. Then when they're at the car outside of the tea house, well, we find out, he says, I did. I burned that greenhouse down. And Jong Su's like, what are you talking about? I've been checking him. And he goes, like, two days after, which totally coincides with Jaime's mm-hmm. disappearance. Now I'm just, I'm doing my, I'm, I'm showing you my board. I know, I was with stuff. you. I was with you, man. But then also, there's that bit when they're at the car, they on their way out of the tea house. And he's like, sometimes you're too close to something to see it. You know, like, that's another, for me, a strong piece of evidence. Like, Jong Su's looking he's he's trying to see you know you can't see the forest for the trees kind of mm-hmm. thing and then they get out to the car and ben's off with his new girlfriend who also is one of those i'm pretty sure also one of those like model chicks who like does speeches and stuff yeah, i she can w- see it <laughs> so she was he turns and he says jaime thought you were someone special and he speaks of her th- in the past tense, which she's gone, so maybe he's just like speaking casually. But I really like stuck on that. Like she thought that doesn't think that anymore. So he's got like a, some past tense conception of Jaime, which could be just because he's a dickhead and she's in the rear view. So. Yeah, she's out. He's on. He's moved on. There's no reason to think of her in the present tense. It's I mean, true. she effectively is dead to him because, like, you're right. You know, <laughs> it could be that he's she's dead to him and. Which is awesome. Like there, I'm now to a point where I'm like, there's no answer. There's, no, there was never an answer. It's just the only thing it's we, brilliant that you can go either way. It's brilliant <laughs> that it's like that. This is all so um, unspoken in this movie, it's and like, yet like so much. It's a it's a razor dance. It's it's a crazy. It's totally crazy because now I'm sitting here and I'm like, oh, yeah, but that piece of evidence could also be read. Every single thing where I'm like, this is for sure. I'm like, but it could also now. Yeah, it could also. Uh, a little more, more bits of symbolism. I mean, you're right. The only... We find out that his dad has previously been convicted of another violent crime before this one. And there's like a history of anger in that family. You're the only person who, the only person we know for sure is definitely a murderer <laughs> is jong su our yes. protagonist yeah and you watch him i mean like the contrast between those two characters this guy who is like you know 
outwardly smarmy, outwardly dismissive, outwardly like we assume capable of violence. And then you have the other guy who is just like this like simmering cauldron of like his dad's aggressive. He's more outwardly verbally aggressive than yeah. Steven Yoon is at any point. Yeah. Like of everyone in the movie, like he is the one who is like a bomb about to explode. Yeah. He, he seems so... Thinking back, though, for me, he seems you can definitely tell there's like an under like a simmering undercurrent. Yeah. But he's so passive is a good word for him. Like even when he walks there when they're looking for the cat, like he kind of like hands of his size and he kind of shuffles and his face is always like really slack, you know, and he's looking around and they're like, you know, you graduated, still don't have a job, never had a job, went looking for a job. And they're like, call out your number one through seven. He goes one, two. They get to him. and He's like. <laughs> and then they're like where do yeah. you live and he just leaves and like i i don't see as much of the like simmering anger undercurrent except for for me the big scene that kind of suggests it is when they all get high out at the the mm-hmm. cabin because he kind of like does bring the volume up on ben a little bit when he's like i just said that i i like fuck ben i just said i love her and then like it is kind of shocking to see to hear the moment where he calls Jaime, like kind of suggests that Jaime is a whore. That is the most aggressive thing we see yeah. anybody do towards Jaime. And it takes so little for him to like turn on her like that. Yeah. And it wasn't even her. He, She's not even the reason he said that. Ben's derision that he could possibly love Jaime. Because yeah. I love her, man. And then Ben laughs. That's what sets him off. It's Ben. She didn't do anything. She was sleeping no, it's inside. Never, it's never about her. It's always about, this is the thing. So this isn't about her. I think this about, I know this is like a brief sidebar, but I think this about Frankenstein all the time. Like Mary Shelley's book. Mm-hmm. That whole story is about, really what that's about is about a monster, like a created monster that murders a woman. None of that story is about the woman. Yeah. It's all about like, this man who created this monster and this monster like does this bad thing. And now the man is torn up about <laughs> it and the monster. So, and like what the yeah. worst thing that happens in there is a woman dies, a child too. But like the woman and the child are like forgotten elements of that. And I always thought that that was intentional on in Mary Shelley's part, kind of like almost a critique of like, do you see how, especially when her mom is, um, uh, her mom, I forget her name because I'm tired, but her mom is like a really super famous early feminist writer. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can't think of her name either. <sighs> Wollstonecraft? I can't remember either. Now I feel terrible. Anyway, I always felt like reading reading Frankenstein, like, shouldn't we all be more like, what a tragedy, but instead it's like, oh, I'm responsible because I made this monster. <laughs> and the monster's like, why was I made this way? And meanwhile, they're like, oh, yeah, you can bury her. Yeah, she's gone. It's, she's, it's too late. Yeah, that's actually... That's, we don't have to worry about her. She was just a part of the story. She wasn't the point of the story. Right, here's 50 bucks. You go do that. I have some hand-wringing and some brooding to do. I have do. my emotions to contend with about yeah. your death. Man, the more I think of... Yeah, the more that we talk through this, I'm just like... it's These dudes are just like all wrapped up and she's she's almost like a... Like a MacGuffin. <laughs> She's almost like, uh, except in the beginning, you know, like she, she has this cool, subtle agency and power, but like when Ben shows up, it just becomes all about like these two dudes. Yeah, it's just about them. 
And that's why I feel like maybe even if he did kill her, I feel like my my new interpretation, my new decision that she didn't die is just like, I just want, yeah, I want her to have that agency. I, I, I want, want her, her to, to not be a pawn in these guys' like ridiculous game they're, they're weird, playing. They're weird like masculine pissing contests. Yeah. That's all about. I feel like Ben doesn't think of it as like a competition or he doesn't really take Jiangsu seriously until Jiangsu shows up after Jaime disappears. Because he's like, hey, you're back. That's kind of interesting. Like, why are you, are you, do you think maybe that I did something? Hmm. Like, sees him in a different light, almost as like someone to spar with or somebody. He, I think he's definitely, whether or not he killed her, I think he's definitely using greenhouses metaphorically to kind of mean, and maybe, you know, like burning them down is just like, I date them and then I discard them casually as though they never were. Or I like break them emotionally because I'm a sick, twisted fuck like that and a skeezy piece of shit. And that's how he measures his conquests, like emotional murder mm-hmm. kind of. But I think he kind of sees Jong Su as like that same kind of person. Like you haven't written anything. Like who gives a fuck about you? Yeah. Until Jong Su starts to like. And this is this goes back to that like masculine violence thing. When Jong Su finally has like the backbone backbone air quotes because he's got no real actual evidence that anything happened but like has the backbone to go and kind of like but he doesn't confront ben he just starts stalking him no god it's such a wiggly (laughs) weird gray line dude (laughs) but like that's the moment that ben starts to like take him seriously i mean if you take him seriously because he's like stalking him and this weird and this weird like i'm not with your girl anymore why are you here but he doesn't tell him to like fuck off or anything he'll like invite him inside and he like you can definitely tell he's like poking at him and he's like what do you think what do you think's going on especially in that tea room conversation where he's like i definitely burned that fucking barn down you're just too close to see it you're an interesting guy i didn't think you'd be back Man, we should be bros. <laughs> I mean, ser- think about it. At the end of the movie, the, their last interaction is an embrace. They yeah. end up in each other's arms at the end of that. That's such a. That's such a. Hold on, I don't want to rush. I don't want to rush there. Let's jump back because I have some fun camera work that I want to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> but I definitely want to get to like two dudes embracing in a weird smear of blood. Bloody way. There's no way. Come on, that. That last chunk was like that was so sexual. Oh yeah. All right. So like I don't want to I don't want to do the like Halloween you know John Carpenter's seventy nine Halloween like well it's a knife which is phallic and it penetrates the body and that's why serial murderers use knives but like it was intimate. Yeah, bro. Jong Su's using a knife and he's stabbing him low like his hands are all down weird like he's at you know high maze window. He's a lot window. more into the murder than he is into having sex at the beginning of the movie. Oh, dude, he's fully he's in he's in he's eyes like locked full body like watching it being a part of it. I'm sorry, he's there. Steven, you. <laughs> you smell fantastic. <laughs> um, let me jump back. Dude, I want to hit some cinematography notes because they're so fucking cool. Um, dad's arraignment, we find out that he assaulted and injured a government official. The officer, not the guy he assaulted, but the officer who's sitting on the the right, they're sitting at those like weird mm. desks with like the integrated writing surfaces. That dude's right hand is obscured by the attached writing surface and he's holding that arm at a slightly awkward angle. That guy's not hurt. It's just a cool, weird little like visual resonance. And I wrote down, because we'd already been talking about some of the, like the cool small details that like show up visually in this thing like uh, for example the shot i thought this was a really cool moment too when he goes into his family home 
they keep the camera low so that you don't see what's above the arch. And then you get five one-second shots of photographs, right? Mm-hmm. So we get those five one-second shots of photographs. Then we cut to a wide again that's jumped up so you can see those photographs in sequence. That establishes that puts us into Jong Su's eyes again, what he's looking at. Then we cut to Jong Su and see him staring for a long while at a photograph on the wall, and we cut back to an equal amount of time of that photograph, and it's he and his dad. I thought that was just like a cool way to do like a little bit of visual storytelling as he explores the space. I thought this thing in the um the courthouse was really cool. And I wrote down all these small details feel or create a sensation at once dreamlike and like memory like the nature of memory the little things you notice and fixate on that fill up the cracks in your memories as they age and fade those little oddities are the glue of our recollection of our lives i thought like the the visual storytelling in this is super cool because it kind of adaptations can be hit or miss but i think this really kind of catches that like murakami flavor where you're not you're not quite sure if what you're getting is what happened or mm-hmm. if what you're getting is the way that the person remembered it happening. Yeah. Because of those like specific small details. Um, we see there's some really cool framing stuff that happens specifically when the three of them are on screen. Some of it's really obvious like when Jaime returns from Africa, she and Ben are talking about where to eat. The two of them are foregrounded and focused on each other. And Jong Su is like an awkward distance uh, away from them directly guy. in between. He's I know. So, I mean, not poor guy because I think he's also a dick. But They're assholes. <laughs> the more we talk about it, I'm like, I don't want to watch this again. Because honestly, it's just the story of a woman who should have left all of this shit alone and just gone and done her own thing. Dude, she does. This is what I'm saying. She did it. I'm, I she might left. be on board with your ending just because I don't want... The other she was one like, anymore. neither of you are worth this. I have credit card debt. I have to go. <laughs> Take my cat, please. <laughs> <laughs> Would you watch Boyle while I run from my audit, like run from another audit? He'd, and he'd probably be like, yeah, totally. I don't even care. <laughs> For sure. Sure, give me your can cat. Why a, not? Can I have a quick handy and or jerk off into your laundry? <laughs> That's all I'm really asking for here. That's all I want. <laughs> um, later on, when they go to Ben's apartment, there's a really cool little bit of framing. Did where do you do you I don't know anyway I never know if people are like looking like this freakishly at the screen but I did have COVID so that's true take with that what you will <laughs> you're like the screen was glowing and there was a moment where it was animated it's either I was like hyper fixated <laughs> or it's all a light blur to me <laughs> <laughs> when they walk through the parking garage they when they get to um, the elevator. There, the elevator is on the other side of a pane of glass and on our side of the pane of glass is like the parking garage. And there's a little area where away from the cars where people like park their bikes and shit. Mm-hmm. And that's right next to the elevator. So they arrive at the elevator. Um, ben, Jaime, Jiangsu. On our side of the glass are two bicycles and a baby carriage. The bicycles are oriented the same way that Ben and Jaime are oriented hmm. with their handlebars turned the same way that their heads turn as they both look back at Jong Su. The baby carriage is oriented sideways the same way Jong Su is standing with its like back to this weird abutment so that the baby carriage is facing the two bikes Jong Su stands directly over the baby carriage and each of the other two characters stand directly over their bikes. The bike by Ben is modern and sleek, 
green, silver, really high tech. Mm. The bike under Jaime is older, more whimsical, not like scuffed or rusty, but just like an older model. And then there's a baby and carriage. And there's a baby carriage. Dude, I looked at it and I was like, this is just like a scene where they're walking through the parking garage. <laughs> just spit like this. <laughs> but seriously, I'm like, come on. The amount of thought that must have gone into just framing that one shot. That that shot is partly why on second watch I looked so carefully at the movie. Because the first time I was watching it, I was like, oh, what the fuck? They did that on purpose. Oh, my God. What else did I miss? Um it's beautiful. And there's stuff in the writing, too. Um, so here's here's more of my murder evidence. <laughs> or Continue. It could also just be like, listen, we all get sad sometimes. So, like, maybe Jaime, Jaime is just a little depressed and she's using language that seems really symbolic and depressing. Maybe I was sad the second time I watched this. <laughs> um, she goes, she's talking about seeing the sunset in Africa. And she says... I must be at the end of the world. She describes the sunset as it was going down, you know, it was just a parking lot littered with garbage. And then first it was orange, then blood red, then purple, and then navy. And I wrote brackets blue. And I wrote down that's like kind of, kind of like death, you know, like orange is like the, the flame burns down. Then there's blood red specifically, like imagine a cutthroat. And then like the purple, the last moments of extremis, and then you cool to blue and you're dead and gone. And then her speech about it is, I must be at the end of the world. That's what I thought. I want to vanish just like that sunset. Dying is too scary. And here, the the actor, Yu uh, Ai-in, who plays Jong Su, looks away because dying is too scary for him to look at as well. She says, I wish I could disappear as if I had never existed. And that's when Jong Su looks back. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. The blocking. Everything is so like right down to the uh, chef's kiss. I was just, I was so like enamored. And then at the end, I'm like, yeah, yeah, the sunset, blood red, purple, and but blue. Then, but she's da- also just saying it. She doesn't like, she wants to disappear. And she does. She just like, she's like, I'm gone, man. And she does say dying is too scary. <laughs> this is what I mean. It's, it's like it's that agency. It's the agency of like she does what she wants. She she like just pops in, has someone watch her cat, goes to Africa, pops back, hangs out with Ben, gets high, and then you know she's she gets insulted very meanly. Very meanly. I wouldn't talk to him either. You know what? Out of here, dude. After yeah, after Jong Su's like, thanks for coming, whore. She's like, you know what? Fuck both of you guys. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go disappear like the sunset in Africa that I wanted to be like. Yeah. Will you go get my mail? Just ignore anything from like a creditor. And please don't make my laundry like weird. Like she owes him nothing. I feel like the idea that like he deserves something from her that like he is just like it's rude. It's rude. Like she <laughs> owes him nothing. Like they weren't even together. Really? But wait. I have one more piece of evidence. Here we go. Tee it up. Contrast. First of all, contrast Ben's place to Jong Su's like Paju pad, right? So Ben's place, very neat, orderly, clean. Are you trying to say serial killer neat? N- well, Dexter neat, let's say. Um, noted serial killer Dexter. Yes, <laughs> yes noted serial murderer Dexter. I no, don't mean- I, I'm not saying serial killer. I'm just saying a serial a killer. A serial killer. One serial killer. I mean, dude, Jeffrey Dahmer was a fucking slob. He had a he had a uh, big um, 
what are those called? He had like a an altar of bones and he was trying to make a throne of bones. Gross, dude. Yeah, dude. He needed to be on meds. As soon as he took meds in prison, he was like, oh my God, Oops. I'm so sorry, everyone. I didn't mean to do that. I'm mentally ill. Anyway, contrast Ben's place and Jong Su's place. That crazy clutter, they're like, he's a gross guy. Jong Su is a they're both gross guys, let's be real. But their places are very distinct. Mm-hmm. Ben's place has a vibe. So when he comes back to Jaime's apartment and the landlady lets him in, mm-hmm. I wrote down, uh, blah, 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 blah. Where did I write it? Yeah. It's somewhere in here. I Did you? It's maybe not. Maybe not at all. <laughs> oh, shit. Did I? Oh, yeah. Okay. So I wrote down, the neat, ordered apartment of Jaime absolutely chills me. Because it reflects not her, but Ben. Like, Ben disappeared her and then went and cleaned up any of... Like, it feels to me like a lingering hint of a familiar cologne or the bloody smeared edge of his thumbprint. Like, he's been there and he he went through and was like, is there anything here that could tie me to this? Okay, cool. Cleaning out all her shit. Her, like, suitcase is still there. It just felt that is a good that is a good clue though that her suitcase is still there. Her, su- her suitcase is still. But who needs a suitcase, man? I don't know, man. Anyway, <laughs> like, but this is yeah, this is the cool thing about that movie is like no matter what you point to, there's other shit yeah. where, where you're like, but this, but there's something about how how Ben that room feels after she vanishes, where it feels it almost feels like um like a disease that's crept into a limb, you know, like he's this is his space this is some weird thing that he did that's part of his vibe and the the other thing is after the room gets that way that's when we see that he's got the cat so he got the cat yeah. food he got the cat box he got the cat he cleaned up his shit and then he vomited. he changed the password on her door because John says, or yeah. she did because she's like, fuck that guy. Or, yeah, or she was like, well, I trusted Ben the most, and t- not Ben, uh, Jong Su the most until he was an asshole, and now I'm going to trust this other guy, and like, now he's going to get the cat. I Ben seems like the kind of guy that you would ask to like do one, like go get my cat, and he'd be like, great, I'm going to just tidy this, like the way he put the makeup <laughs> on the lady, where he's just like he imposes himself. It's like you're you right. didn't ask me oh to do God, this, but t- I'm just going to do this anyway. Hey, I, just um, tidied a minute. I went and got your cat, but also, sorry, your place was like a mess, so yeah. I like cleaned a little <laughs> bit for you. You're welcome. Like, yeah, you're pretty t- much. You're totally right. He's just uh, like I didn't like it. Like offended his aesthetics. Like I, I feel like he's such like an aesthetic guy that he was just like I couldn't leave it like this. I, I had s- to just like do. This. I can totally see him like rolling the sleeves up. Like someone's gonna that, do it. <laughs> that girl, I tell you. Yeah. Nope. Ties the apron on. Like I'll do this for her, and then later on, I actually maybe I, if no one's around, I am in her apartment. <laughs> Might as well coach. Might her as now. well. <laughs> Jesus. Um, I love the smash cut earlier when we get kind of them making fun of her like little hunger, big hunger dance at the dinner party. Mm -hmm. They start by clapping and then they're all kind of like, this girl's fucking weird. Um, Smash cut to the nightclub. And I said we went from little hunger to great hunger to a dance of neither hunger, of ecstasy and oblivion. (laughs) Oh, my God. That was really well shot, too. Because it's just a... It's just like a dolly shot straight in. You like push through these dancing bodies. There's some cool like I could watch the extras in this movie all day. (laughs) And then we see Jong Su on his way out. I love how frequently he like you lose him. You're like, wait, shit, where did he go? And then he's like not where you expected him to be as he weaves his way out. Beautiful. 
Um, that doesn't matter at all. Okay, sorry, more cinematography. It's honestly now this is just me like cinematography wanking because I'm just like <laughs> this shot is so beautiful. Um, when they're out doing reefers, um, there's a bit. It's when she says that this may be my best day ever, which mm-hmm. is so sad because like the way it ends is such a bummer. Yeah, he's a dick. It. I more fun trivia for you. This scene where they're out watching the sunset took a month to shoot because they could only shoot for one hour at a time oh because of the setting sun to get the twilight to match. They were only able to like shoot for an hour and then they're like, too dark. We'll come back. God. Wow. Like, see, this is why this is why more good movies don't get made is they're a huge pain in the ass and they're so expensive. Um, I wrote down. So we had just gotten the scene like you have a stone in your heart, right? When the three of them are sitting on their chairs. I wrote down even the dark reflection of Jaime's head in the glass behind her. Because mm-hmm. remember we pull up and there's like the, the row of dark glass windows. The way they framed and blocked those actors, no one is reflected in the glass except for just Jaime's head. And her reflection is just to the right of her shoulder at the level of her heart. And I said even on her best day ever in this, the face of this beautiful sunset, the black reflection of her head at heart level is potent like the stone in her heart. Dude, you could take a still from almost any moment in this movie and it would be art. You know what I mean? Doing reefers. Um, cool note about Miles Davis. There's a Miles Davis song at this moment in the short story as well. It's a gal in calico. Um, this song is generique, which I actually think is a better choice. What did you think of what did you think of this scene? The they smoke the reefers, the jazz starts, mm-hmm. and it becomes high May entirely. Both dudes fade right out, and we just get what is what are we watching? What is this like? I think it's her getting to be her. I feel like we just don't get enough of her in this movie, which is the shame. I mean, she is so like, you know, she has a lot to give of her physical self. You know, she does that really, she commits to that dance that she does of little hunger, big hunger. She commits to this moment that she is like a part of, like, we think we just see her committing a lot to just like being in this moment for herself and not for anyone else. Like she doesn't really care when she's doing little hunger, big hunger that like no one's really paying attention. Or laughing. Yeah. It's not about them. So I feel like this moment is also just about her getting to be there. In a lot of ways, she's like the only character who, is truly herself true mm. to herself like jongs is like fully trapped inside himself ben is kind of like a you get the, i get the sense from ben that he's a presentation yeah like this is a constructed person yeah it's i mean aside from the the amazing cinematography have her backlit by the sunset the rising bird and then there's there's this cool moment where we get the rising bird and like the m- sense of freedom. You know, she's just like, you know, the, the weeds hit and then she's looking at the sunset and she's just glowing up and feeling herself. She turns kind of to camera, which feels voyeuristic in a cool way. Mm-hmm. Like we are now sitting in for both men. Um, and she does kind of like turn on just a touch of like sensuality, but it doesn't feel like performative sensuality. It's not, she's not doing it for for us mm-hmm. she's doing it because that's what she feels in this moment and that transforms into the little hunger big hunger dance but once she gets to that big hunger dance again she like 
the, it fall, the moment falls apart. She walks off screen, coughs, and then we get a focus pull and the world goes blurry. It's cool. I don't, I have no, I don't like have a, like, and this is what it means. I'm just like, it's real. It's, it's like this cool little like dreamlike pocket of gorgeous cinematography and the music cuts out too as she's doing the big yeah. hunger dance and like the jazz stops and then it's just her almost like, um, like she's lost the beat or the table stopped clapping or something. Oh, I fucking loved that. Uh, more. Okay. What do you think of the reservoir? The scene where. We get one creep stalking another creep. Now I'm like fully against <laughs> both of these dudes all the way. So like we get Jong Su stalks um, Ben, and then Ben pulls like a fast one, and it's like who the fuck is following me? And then he, I don't know. This was I feel like at this point it was just so much tension that I was just like I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't know who's gonna happen. I don't know like <laughs> why is this is gonna happen. It's just like it felt very like. <laughs> cat and mouse and mouse has teeth and is going to bite the cat. I don't know. It felt very like, I don't know what it, I don't know what it was. So you, you, come on when you, I'm now like kind of fully to your perspective where I'm like, yeah, maybe she did just peace. Cause that's what these assholes deserve. But like the first time you see the reservoir, it's crazy that no one ever says it. But did you also think like, this is where he dumps the bodies? Well, it's this very much like, why else would it be here? And why else would he be here? Why but also, he? like, I mean, he's just, you know, he's doing weird Ben things. I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's a pretty, it's honestly, it's like a really pretty little, like, reservoir lake. And he's a bored rich person. So maybe he's just chilling. He's just and driving around. Looking at his things. thing. Man, I've, so now, like, a lot of my notes, I'm just like, I'm just going to say this to Alex and she'll shoot it down. And I'll agree with her because <laughs> the note's fucking wrong. But, like, that reservoir is so, dude, it's so creepy because that. He's so exposed on that hill. And you're like, Ben's going to turn around and he's going to see him. Ben's going to turn around and he's going to see him. You're like ripping your skin off. Oh, my God. This is. Well, here's the thing, though, is it like say he kills her and he puts her in the reservoir, which also feels kind of weird. Um, Like he already has his trophies at home. Like what is the point in him going out there? It's just like an extra kind of trophy thing. This extra. Like, did he kill her there? Is that the idea? You know, Okay, maybe what we're seeing here, maybe what we see, may, we've been joking about it, but maybe Jong Su is revisiting the scene of a conquest and masturbating, right? Maybe this is Ben's version of that. He mm. looks out over his lake and he knows, like, the. Oh, did you watch Dexter? Because maybe it's like the barrels. I did watch Dexter. Yeah, maybe it's like the barrels in the lake from season four or five or whatever. But, but like, you know what I mean? Maybe this is Ben at the window. Maybe he's like, and there they all are. And he's, you know, he's not so gauche or tacky as to like whip it out on the edge of this lake. But maybe that's metaphorically what he's doing here. Or maybe not. Maybe he's just looking at a beautiful reservoir. There's no way to know. But like, that's. Well, I think my other question is, like, do you think he knows that he's being followed? Like, do you think that, like, at a certain point he figures it out and just, like, ends up somewhere to, like, because part of this feels, like, performative to me of, like, I think that you think that I'm doing something and I'm smarter than you. So, like, I'm going to let you continue and let you, you know, make of this what you will. Because I I don't think he thinks he's going to do anything about it. Like you said, like, he feels like... He doesn't take him that seriously. He's starting to, but I think when he starts to take him seriously, it's like, oh, I should just fuck with him some more. Well, he he says a couple times throughout the movie, like, you got to have fun or like, what do you do? I just play. 
Yeah. You know, there's no difference between work and play. So he might be, he gets described as Gatsby at one point, Mm -hmm. which is also in the short story. I thought that was a cool little nod because he, this could be like, he's just a bored fucking rich young guy. And he's like, you know what? This guy thinks I killed a woman. I'm going to make him think that more and just see what happens. Yeah. He's not very subtly following him. He's not like that. Like he's not that great at it. No. I mean, the phone call (laughs) at the end is like, hey, Jong Su, where are you? Hello, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm in Gangnam, and he's like, "Where?" And he goes, "Doesn't answer." And then you get the knock at the yeah. window, like, so. I mean, yeah, dude. I think. Do you think he called the cops? Because the cops roll up the hill with like the light going off, and they're like, "Roll by him, like, what are you fucking doing, creep?" Which is, you're, they're totally justified in doing that. He's stalking a person. Yeah, I didn't think he called the cops. I think that that was more just like, I mean, he think he's just being sketchy for anyone who was around. Um, but I also think it like adds to this level of like this like victimhood persecution thing. Like I feel like part of the reason he's mad that he thinks that Ben killed her is because like he took her away. It's this extra level of like, you know, I loved her. I said you I, took her and you extra took her now. Like now I can't get her at all. Right. You and know, he feels like he's a victim. You're totally right. That's it's gross. It's, it's super gross. gross. <laughs> like a big beyond just like the possibility of a woman getting murdered, the guy being mad because he's like you bastard, I liked that yeah. bobble, and now I can't play with that, that toy anymore. That was supposed to be mine until you oh. found her in Africa, dude. What Come a on. gross way to say that, Alex, but you're so fucking right. <laughs> these, so guys, I feel like these guys I, suck. I <laughs> All right. Okay, well, let's... Hey, Weasel. Let's talk about the murder, dude. He... The actual murder that we actually know happened. The only murder that we're for (laughs) sure actually happened. 100% like 100% murder. It was so good. Who calls who? I'm watching it. I was, I thought it was a little ambiguous, but I, I'm pretty sure it's Jong Su calls Ben and is like, meet me here. That's what I thought. Cause the way it's shot's really cool because Jong Su parks like in the background of the shot. Ben is in the foreground smoking a cigarette and looking at his watch like Jong Su's late, mm-hmm. which makes sense because Jong Su's working himself up to kill a person. Yeah. So Jong Su parks in the like in the background. Ben walks over because Jong Su doesn't get out of his truck, and then when he gets far away, Jong Su steps out and they start talking. But because they're so far away, it's not clear who's saying what. So you told me to meet you here with you know with Jaime. Where's Jaime? which means totally different things depending on who said it. If Ben said it, he's lure. It seems like, when this will become clear in a second, but it seems like he's luring Jong Su out there to kill him because he knows Jong Su's onto him. If Jong Su said it, he lured Ben out here to kill Ben in revenge for Jaime. The two men, like, come together. It's totally not clear who's hurt or what's happening because they're both staggering around. Dude, I was... Yeah, There was, like, was a so full good. minute where I'm like... Who dead? <laughs> Did not breathe in, you know? Lorna's like, mm, the human's got some shit going on. Like, <laughs> oh my God. And then they like, when they fall away from each other, both of them bend down and you're like, did they just stab each other? Yeah. Was this like a, <laughs> like the, the best bromance ever? Did they just Romeo and Juliet this shit? And then uh, Ben turns and starts like staggering back toward the car and you see one of Jiangsu's dad's knives in his hand and you're like, I was wondering if Chekhov's knives were going to come back. I'm like, you can't show me a safe full of knives and no one gets it, you know? This was fucking vicious. It was. It went on, too. It just kept going. Not a Hollywood murder. This was like 
this is like a person. This is like if someone got killed with a knife. It's not fun to watch. It's no. real. It's real intense. Um, ben makes it back to the car. I can't bear to have Stephen Yoon die, so it's Ben now. <laughs> ben makes it back to the car and like starts to get in. Jong Su gets up behind him, grabs him by the back of the shirt, pulls him out, and turns him to face him. And then you get the classic like, "I'm holding the knife back," and you're like, "No, no, dog, it's going." And you're like, "Oh man, I'm holding the knife." Once again, low waist height, bizarrely sexual, but like it's so fucking violent. It's a, it's like a really, it's a disturbing scene. Yeah, dude. like it was... truly. What, and what do you think of like, what do you think of the the bit where Ben, Ben stops fighting him at a certain point and embraces him and doesn't cry, but like there. What's the what? What are your thoughts? The performance is so strange and very intense. My my brain kind of dial tones, so I like couldn't make anything <laughs> of it. I was just like, "What the fuck? Oh my god!" So I mean, I don't know. I feel like Stephen Yoon Ben. I don't know why he embraces him. I feel like if you know you're dying and there's a person there, I feel like that's part of it. But I also feel like maybe it's this level of like I underestimated you kind of thing. And like, I feel bad for you that you, I don't know. It felt like a lot. I, my brain also dialed tone. It's I was just cr- like, it's because it's just moment. like you, it, it amps up and amps up and amps up. And you like, you know, there's going to be some kind of confrontation or conflict and you just don't expect it to be like, I'm just going to stab you and like, not just stab you and like move on, but like, I'm going to make sure you are murdered. Yeah. <laughs> like you are real dead. Keeps following him. Like you're, go- yeah. Yeah. That's so violent. Um, yeah, I it felt, and I feel like that's when I, maybe that's when I felt like he did do it. Is I feel like he's like embracing him as like this, like I'm sorry, like I did this to you, kind of thing, or like, or because once again, like you said earlier, it's kind of not really about Jaime. <laughs> it's about these two dudes and their weird thing with each other about her, but not about her. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? over her so there's that moment where he talks about like i burned down greenhouses or whatever and he, this is i'm still i don't know exactly where i am anymore you've shooketh me <laughs> but like if ben killed jaime and killed these other women it's implied like is a serial killer they had that moment on that beautiful sunset eating their dinner drinking their wine sharing a J, and ben told was vulnerable to Jong Su. Told him something metaphorically because you can't even with some weed. You're not going to be like. By like, the way, <laughs> I burned my mom's clothes when she left. I'm like, right on, bro. I kill women. <laughs> you know, you want some of this? <laughs> you know, you're not going to be. That's I don't know. That's kind of a big one. But like, okay, I'm going to tell this guy something. He told me something. I'm going to tell him something. How do I? Uh, I burned down greenhouses. He's a writer. He'll get it. You know, like maybe this moment is like. He and then there's that moment when he's at the house and he's he he pats him on the chest, you know, and he's like, "You have to feel the base right here." And that he explains that that's what he feels when he burns down greenhouses. And he told Jong Su, "He's like, you got to have some fun. You got to feel that mm-hmm. rush, that moment. You have to like it. Like both of these men are trying so badly, so so hard to connect with anything, and they're just kind of not. They just kind of float around their lives or whatever." Maybe in this moment, that hug is like, I'm dying, like he's dying and stuff. But in that moment, he's like, you understand. 
you got it. Like it's a the connection that they were both looking for. And honestly, like the worst part, it's the Frankenstein thing. It doesn't matter if Jaime is dead or not. In that moment, because Jong Su is stabbing this guy, he's like, "You burned a greenhouse." I don't know. It's a it's a very high peak, man. <laughs> There's a lot of shit going on in that moment. It's genius. I feel like what I loved most about it, though, is you have this like remarkable, intimate murder. This embrace that's very intimate. Good phrase. And then it doesn't go away. Like, I feel like I was expecting it to stop, and it doesn't. Like, he has to, like, put him down. He has to, like, you know, burn the car. He has to, like, take his clothes off. That he has to get in the too. truck. And I love that it continue, like, it followed him through this process of, like, no, he's not just dead. Like, he has to, like, actually show that he actually thought about this a little bit the and aftermath. knows that he has Burns to. Burns all his clothes. Burn clothes and strip naked and like the, him driving away is just such a I feel like that's a great part to end on yeah the, the, like as he drives the way and of course you know because the rest of this movie does why not make this shot cool too like framing the burning car mm-hmm. directly in that back window also i don't know if this was intentional but the um the power line i noticed that they don't shoot in the car very often they're shoot always shooting through the windshield because mm-hmm. it creates a cool texture because the windshield is reflecting an upward angle over people's faces so you get like cityscapes over people and it looks really trippy and cool this one you just get a power line and it like dissects jong su right mm-hmm. across the heart as he's driving he's like a divided person because the power line's cutting him in half as this car burns in the background i'm just like just sitting there you know my brain's like Ooh, <laughs> holy shit they crank that volume knob pretty high in the end it's uh, I like that he has to hide from that truck that's driving by too. Yeah, like he picks the knife up off the ground and tosses it in the car, and it's kind of like leans on the hood all like, cash. I'm just here, it's fine. Don't yeah, like me. like turning the bloodiest side. And the other the other detail I thought was like gruesome, but so good was when he peels his pants off and his right leg is soaked in blood because Stephen Yoon's blood's been like soaking through his clothes. Trippy. It's a really, it's a, lot. It's a big, it a intense lot. blowout of an ending. <laughs> well, for, for a film that is so like, is so tight and so like, I think detached for a lot of it to like end on such a, like, I, I don't know how to say it any more than intimate. Like it's such an intimate moment between these two guys. It's and to, con- to, to contrast it with like, the Jaime Jong Su like fumbling weird awkward sex scene that we get earlier like the difference in intimacy the la- utter lack of mm-hmm. to this which is like these dudes are fully in the moment with each other and there's never been a moment where two characters in this film were more present than right fucking now it's I this is honestly like one of my favorite movies that I've seen in the last five or ten years. I don't it's think so I would have watched it. Like I w- it was so good. <laughs> it was really, really good. Um do you have any final thoughts? That's the last of my notes and we're in the credits now. What do you have any more thoughts on this? Any I closing think the remarks? only thing that of the final kind of scene that I wanna reemphasize is the like the moment when they both get out of the cars and you don't know who's going to go. Like, you know that something's going to happen. Right. Because it very easily could have been Ben killing jong Su for, like, Clean. suspecting him. Right. Like, he's on to me. I'm clearing the board. Yeah. If he's a murderer, like, like I think, 
I, like I was feeling at that time that this confrontation is going to happen. I'm like, like tense of course, right now, and the movie's <laughs> done. I'm just sitting here and I'm like, and you don't know, Alex, you don't. Um, but like, there is so much in that moment, and you don't know who instigated it. You don't know who's going to come out on top. Like, you don't know. Like, I think both of their like hackles are up, kind of thing. Um, and I feel like I heard Ben as the one who said, like, you. Like, where's Jaime? I thought you said she was going to be here. Like, in my memory of it, it was hearing Steven Yoon's voice. Um, and that moment being like, oh, shit. Like, he got lured here. He's going to die. Well, but if he legitimately... And that's an interesting point, because if he legitimately thinks that Jaime could be here... Yeah, and I mean, I could be mis- I could have been mishearing. Um, it's very possible it, like, was a different... That something else happened. But, like, my memories in that moment being, like, I don't know who is doing this, who is setting this up, and then hearing Steven Yeun and then being like, oh, he... But I think he's also, like, playing... Yeah, he lured him here, but I think he's also, like, he could have said that being like, well, you said Jaime was going to be here. Like, do you know something I don't know kind of thing? Um, He needs to... He kind of needs to go there to be like, wait a minute. Because either way, if he killed her, he's going to go out there and be like, okay, this guy... I think he's saying that he yeah. knows something and I need to go figure out what that is. If he didn't kill her, he's like, okay, I'll go chill with Jaime. I don't give a shit. Yeah, yeah. This will be kind of funny. I can be like, Jaime, this guy think this, <laughs> thinks that I, I killed you. And then instead he gets stabbed. You, but you're right. Like right up until until the moment you see blood, you have no idea. You're like, they're both dead. They both stabbed each other. He stabbed him. Someone gets shot. What's going on? Yeah, and there's it's it feels like a long moment of that struggle of like yeah. who is going to come out as what. And you hear so many stabs. It is very visceral. Both their hands are like moving, and it's like, and you're like, oh, oh, come on. You're like something is happening, but I don't know what it. I don't know what it is, but it's so bad for both of them. Like no matter, dude, it's. This is the end of the world, you know. I felt like it was the end of the world. Hmm, interesting, just like the sunset in Africa. And you know what? It went orange, blood red, purple, and blue. Oh, I forgot I got shot. Oh yeah. I was like, why does this hurt? It's fine. Um, yeah, but I feel like it's hard to talk about it um, for this amount of time because the movie is so long that, like, it really it it's like a plateau, and then it's just like amps, 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 and then it just like skyrockets and. Suddenly you're like, wow, I haven't breathed in 45 I, minutes. I know you're like, I'm dizzy with the, oh, right, it's, I haven't, <gasps> okay, all right. Uh, and then. But I love when movies do that in like a non-traditional like action, cut, 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 you know, violent, violent, violent string of things. It's just like in all of these like subtle things where you're suddenly just like putting the pieces together that he's putting together and you're like something, it's, something bad's going to happen. It's masterful. <laughs> this, this to me is like a total 10 out of 10. It like, was great. It's so good. And it's the fact so that good. you can just keep watching it and like, w- I will watch it again and Same. probably have a completely different take on I'm it try and, and for, probably watch like, it again. I'm force and, Bird to watch it just kind of because I want more people to see it so I can be like, at the end, just be like, did Ben kill her? Yeah, what do you think now? <laughs> what do you think I know. now? Who did it? <laughs> I know. I want to see what Spike says. I feel like he's going to think that... I don't know what he's going to think. He like, proves me wrong. He'll probably be like, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> oh, sorry, dude. I fell asleep. Um, <laughs> did something happen? It just happen? got slow for like a bit, and I like cashed out, dude. <laughs> 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 I'm going to drink a booch and hit the hay. We'll watch it again sometime. Catch you later. We'll watch it. It's fine. Um awesome well thank you so much for coming and talking about this movie with me and changing my mind and shaking my faith (laughs) in my ability to understand things i super appreciate it um i'm hoping i can convince you to do it again with some more weird art housey shit so um, do you have 
A lot of people that I sit across from are like creative types who like have things to plug. Do you have anything to plug? I have nothing to plug. I am just someone who watches movies. Cool. See, people, you too. You don't have to be like some fancy pants artist. You too can just be a person who watches (laughs) movies. Um, Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, Next week, I believe I'm going to be back with Connor Sweeney talking about it's either going to we're not 100 percent sure it's either going to be Interstellar. Christopher Nolan's outer space masterpiece or it's going to be a phenomenal documentary that you all should watch called for all mankind it's a documentary about all of the men or all of the people who have ever been to the moon I don't know I think it is all men that have been to the moon I'm gonna fucking work on that I think women have been in space just not yeah definitely for sure but get with it NASA anyway we're gonna be we're gonna be talking space movies next week uh following that more art house fair I'm not entirely sure what yet but it might have Mads Mikkelsen in it. All right, love y'all. Bye. Bye.